This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Ishmael Kawaja. Hello, hope you're doing well on Thursday the 13th of October. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. We're going to start with our most read story on Kent Online, a so-called super estate of more than 3,000 homes linking two villages in Kent has been included in a long-term plan for Canterbury. Bosses have released details of their local plan, which suggests where homes should be built over the next 20 years. Well, reporter Joe Wright wrote this story and joins me now to talk us through it. So tell us firstly about the largest development that's being proposed and what this means for the villages involved. The largest of the schemes is 3,200 homes large and it would be the second biggest development um, ever built in the Canterbury district and it's located far over to the east of the district towards Dover direction um, and it's centred on the two villages of Adisham and Aylsham. So Adisham is a small village of about a few hundred population whereas Aylsham is already under a massive expansion um, and obviously this new garden city would see its population double in size again. What are a few of the other standout plans? Because that's not the only large-scale one, is it? Another major development put forward is Merton Park in Canterbury. That would be for 2,075 homes on about 100 acres of land between Nackington Road and Southern Wincheap, um, sort of running along the side of the A2. Space would also be allocated for the city's proposed super hospital, um, which would replace the existing KNC. Also, a new football ground for Canterbury City FC would also be built. Then, elsewhere in the city, you've got more than 1,000 homes planned off Littlebourne Road, and there are numerous other sites as well put forward. Uh, then, branching further across towards the coast, you've got a very large development at Brooklyn's Farm in Whitstable, which would see 1,300 homes and also a school for um, special educational needs. That would be the first in the district. Uh, Then also on the coast, there are plans for two new secondary schools. There's been a lot of discussion in, well, recent decades calling for um, more school provision in Whitstable and Herne Bay. And the council in this draft local plan hopes to deliver on that pledge. All this makes up part of Canterbury City Council's 20-year vision, but housing is often hotly debated, as we know. So what's their thinking behind these major changes? And do we have a sense yet of whether this will be welcomed or not? As predicted, the general consensus is uh, one of anger and uh, outrage at the fact these thousands of new homes will be built in the district. Yet, the council and its council leader, Ben Fitter-Harding, they, they have targets set upon them by the government, which they have to adhere to. And this local plan would see that government target be hit. Um, so in total, 13,000 homes would be built in the district up until 2045. That is on top of 16,000, which need to be built before 2031. So, yeah, there, there will be a lot of extra homes being built in Canterbury over the coming decades. 
and with the new draft local plan, um, the council says that it's tried not to cram houses in like sardine tins. They've instead um, found found larger sites in which more houses can be sort of spread out and uh, extra areas can be dedicated to green space, which they say will be better for mental health and well-being. So they're saying rather than having sardine tin mentality, um, they're opting for larger estates, which are more spread out. Yet that means more land is swallowed up. Thanks for that, Joe. Well, looking at the comments some of you have left on this story at Kent Online, and it doesn't look like people are pleased about these plans. Chad Grendel says, Kiss what's left of the countryside and the natural wildlife habitats of Kent goodbye. John has written saying the whole thing is half-baked and must be thrown out. Well, you can see a map of the proposals in the story and, of course, can add your own comments. Kent Online reports. Some of our other top stories now. Three drug dealers who were running a county lines network between London, Dover and Folkestone have been jailed for a total of almost nine years. They were tracked down after some of the drugs they were delivering were dropped at a petrol station and a vehicle was traced to a caravan park in Hythe. Her teachers in parts of Kent have admitted they'll have to make cuts elsewhere to make sure their classrooms stay warm this winter. The leaders of the Spires, St Anselm's and Recover Primary have had to try and rework their budgets to accommodate rising energy prices. Some bills have gone up by as much as 400%. One school is considering a change in uniform policy so coats can be worn in classrooms. Squatters have been accused of starting fires in empty buildings in Dartford. It's after two blazes broke out on Lowfield Street over the weekend. Both fires are being treated as suspicious. And it's thought plans to turn a derelict pub in Sittingbourne into flats will be refused, despite people living nearby supporting the idea. The former Kelmsley Arms has been closed for almost 10 years and branded an eyesore. An application has been put in to build 20 apartments on the site. A decision is due to be made tonight. Kent Online reports. Now, if you're waiting for any deliveries, there's a warning they could be delayed as postal workers in Kent go on strike. They're joining more than 115,000 colleagues across the country in the first of three planned walkouts. It's because of a dispute over pay and conditions. And there's a warning it could affect Christmas deliveries if it's not resolved. Members of the Communication Workers Union claim there are plans to delay the arrival of post by three hours and slash sick pay. Dave Ward, the union's general secretary, says that's unacceptable. There is no prospect of us agreeing that type of asset stripping business plan and a levelling down agenda. We're up for modernisation, but I would stress uh, this is not modernisation. This is asset stripping, levelling down of the worst sort. Royal Mail says the strike action threatens the job security of its staff. Meanwhile, a union's once again calling for meaningful action against P&O ferries, seven months after they sacked 800 workers and replaced them with cheaper agency staff. The government have said they won't take criminal action against the company, despite boss Peter Hebblethwaite admitting they broke employment law. A new law is going through Parliament to give better protection to seafarers working in UK waters. We're being urged to report any cases of hate crime, no matter how small, in a further bid to tackle the problem. More than 5,000 offences were recorded by Kent Police in 2019. That's up from 3,800 the previous year. 
The vast majority of cases involve people being targeted because of their race. Ajab Hussain is from the Kent Muslim Welfare Association. He's been speaking to Jadzia from our colleagues at KMTV. There have been many uh, instances of uh, hate crime or prejudice. Um, uh, it, it takes all forms, you know. Um, and in, in the... Uh, in life, you face those things and you have to tackle them, and that's why it's important, uh, whether it's small or big, to make uh, the police first fall or whoever the responsible um, authority is aware. Um, often, it's a it's a crime that is underreported and uh, is not uh, something that we uh, share equally. You know, with the people just brush it aside. You know, it's a little thing and. Uh, that's another reason why I'm there. It's really, uh, I think it's important. So whether, whether it's small or big, then we make that aware to the relevant authorities. I'm so sorry that you've experienced anything um, horrendous like hate crime. What do you think needs to be done to prevent it? Yeah, I, th- I don't think you will uh, disappear from society. There will always be bigots and there will always be people who have a prejudice against whether it's race, colour, or religion or anything like that. Um, uh, but two things, I think, come out in my mind. The more diversification we have around us, the more we engage together as a community, because this can't be eradicated individually. It can only be eradicated as a community. Uh, and secondly, I think, uh, is um, to report these things. You know, no action can actually take place. And it's no good just having statistics. It's actually following up on those things that you actually um, can uh, tackle these things early in the bud, so especially in schools and especially um, in those areas where there are pockets, we know there are some pockets, and uh, address the community and the society around that. So do you think that it all comes down to education in schools, kind of starting there, and that's how we, we tackle hate crime as a society? I think, uh, to be honest, there are, there are many, I'm not an expert in many reasons for that, but one of the fundamental things is upbringing and how the family structure and how the society uh, in terms of upbringing and education. So together, not just education on its own, but just the environment. Um, so environment of hate, uh, you know, if you take a uh, example of uh, uh, films that are hateful that you're going to end up copying that in some form or other. This week is aimed at raising awareness. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A former Olympian who winked at pupils at a Kent school is going to be allowed to carry on teaching. Discus thrower David Coleman also replied to a girl's Instagram post with a flame emoji and admitted calling students beautiful and gorgeous. The 36-year-old used to teach at Lee Academy in Dartford. Misconduct panel has decided banning him from the profession would not be in the public interest. Now, the Kent Online podcast been told £4 million has been spent on rebuilding a club in Maidstone that burnt to the ground just days before it was due to reopen after lockdown restrictions were lifted. A devastating blaze broke out at Moomoo's in Week Street in July last year. Owner Kieran Quigley's admitted he considered quitting, but says he owed it to the nighttime economy of Maidstone to get the venue back open. He's been chatting with Julie. We've collaborated with the top designers um, around the world, I suppose, really, with a couple of them, guys who have um, have been involved in uh, Ronnie Scott's jazz clubs, the Café de Paris, famous landmarks in London. 
And we decided that this was now an opportunity to really put the club on the map and, um, and, and go for a design that is totally unique and up there with the London Super Clubs. Uh, and obviously having that in Kent is, um, is quite important for us because um, it's, our clientele is just not from Kent. Um, we get clientele from Southeast London, South London, Central London. And so now we will have a luxurious um, uh, looking club with a wow factor, um, which I think Maidstone and the people of Kent and the surrounding areas deserve. So they don't just have to go to London to get that kind of luxurious, quirky feel. Absolutely. Um, and what are you most uh, excited about the grand reopening, especially because it took let's say months and months of work. Um, so what are you most, what are you looking forward to the most? I think when you see a business that you've created and, you know, we've had set designers from the Rolling Stones, Moomoo's has always been renowned for being a little bit quirky and a little bit different. When you saw 30 years of your work uh, kind of burn to the ground, this whole uh, restoration kind of project and seeing it come together it's all been exciting, really, every single part of it. And, um, you know, since the, the club was last done was 30 years ago, so things have changed a little bit, you know. Um, things have become a little bit more um, uh, advanced now as far as interior design and fabrics go, art as well. So it's given us the opportunity to work with some of the best artists in Europe uh, to get our art in there. Um, and also some of the best fabricators um, who, who make the most beautiful kind of like fabric sofas. And so we've had it all interiorly designed, completely bespoke. So I suppose it's every single part um, of the project is exciting. The lighting design and the, 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 the sound system, you know, 150,000 has been spent on that. So it's really top of the range. It's what, as I say, you would get in one of the clubs in kind of like Ibiza or Dubai. Do you know at like roughly how much you spent overall with this whole refurbishment? Uh, I suppose the whole project with the rebuilt and everything has been a four million pound um, uh, job in the end, um, which will be kind of like to rebuild again um, and for uh, interior design, etc. So um, the insurers that we've been working with, um, Hiscox, they've been very, very good been very 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 supportive um and there's been a loss adjuster as well called crawford's they've been excellent they've helped us along the way and they saw the devastation that it caused us um and they really have given us a helping hand up to try and get up and running and and get the um and get the nighttime economy of maidstone really flourishing again because we were uh, pre-fire we were bringing in about three to three and a half thousand people into maidstone town center so i think um, the nighttime economy will be really looking forward to Moomoo's reopening again. It's been a really emotional process because it literally went from burning to the ground to now rebuilding in a whole different um, design and perspective. But also, how, how do you feel personally about all of this from seeing your business of 30 years of hard work crumbling into ashes and then literally rising from the ground again and now having a major reopening. And as you said, now not only reopening, but up to competition with the big guys, not only in the UK, but in Europe. How how do you feel about all this? God, it's really a mixed emotions. You know, I went to a really dark place, um, was prepared to throw the towel in um, and, and give it all up. And then um, uh, my wife actually bought me a pair of box shorts that said, um, big boy pants, put your big boy pants on. So I did. And I literally thought 
there's only one way for me to go because we have a, a hundred members of staff that were relying on, on us. We have uh, a large um, uh, clientele um, that were relying on us. So from going from a very dark place to um, one that just has to kind of like get focused. And now that we are nearly there, every day is an emotional roller coaster, really. I know it sounds a bit dramatic, but when you've gone to that dark place and you see nothing, and then you see the walls rise again, and then you see those walls being created with the most amazing art, it's just breathing life straight back into a building that was really, really, really kind of gone. Um, so that whole journey is very, very emotional. To welcome guests again on November 5th. Elsewhere, so one of Kent's oldest pubs, which has been badly damaged in a huge fire, will be able to rebuild and reopen. The dirty habit in Hollingbourne went up in flames on Sunday night, and crews are still at the scene checking for hot spots and making sure the area is safe. You can read all about the pub's 1,000-year history on our website. A community farm on Sheppey says it's hoping to get more young people interested in farming. Curly's Farm was started four years ago and now works with 36 schools, four colleges and two universities. They've set up a young farmers group, which is thought to be the first ever on the island. Founder Kyle Ratcliffe has been speaking to our reporter John Nedden. The good thing about uh, the fact that what we're doing is breaking down stereotypes. So I think there is this understanding that most young farmers uh, or Kent young farmers uh, driving around their country estates and their Land Rovers with spaniels and things. Um, we are completely breaking that myth um, and hopefully we're going to be getting people from Dover and Dartford and the local island uh, to be young farmers uh, and to bring farming to them and their doorsteps and maybe open their eyes to a whole different way of, uh, of employment uh, for the future. So what can they learn on your farm? Uh, literally every life skill that you would imagine when dealing with livestock. So we have uh, Dorset horn sheep, which are the only pedigree herd in the uh, southeast. We have our uh, short-legged Dexters, so which are a cattle. So what we do is that we're training, hopefully, the farmers of the future um, to come on the to come to our farm and teach them the skills to not only look after but to show and care for these animals that are just truly amazing. So how many young people come to you per, per week, per day? Um, so over a seven day period, because farming is seven days a week, 365 days of the year, but during our term time weeks, uh, we have 305 people, young people each week, and that's from four years old to 70. That doesn't sound like a young person to me. It's not a young person. Uh, Margaret is our oldest farmer. She is 70. Um, she does have a learning disability. Uh, and the one thing that we say on the farm is that uh, you never stop learning. So Margaret is still coming to the farm and we welcome her every Friday. It costs about £300,000 a year to run Curly's. Europe's busiest McDonald's drive through has reopened today after being closed for almost a month. The outlet at Orbital Park in Ashford has been refurbished. It's also the second busiest Mackie D's restaurant in the world behind one in China. A new Carbon Academy is being set up to develop the green skills needed to build the Lower Thames Crossing. The new road tunnel will link the A2 near Gravesend with Tilbury in Essex to hopefully reduce congestion at Dartford. National Highways are setting up a digital training for people and businesses to try and reduce its impact on the environment. 
and a Kent dog warden has won an award after several high-profile rescues. Mel Herbert, who works for Swell Borough Council, has recently helped deal with a litter of puppies that were abandoned on the A249 and a cocker spaniel who's thought to have been thrown from a car. She's been given the gold paw print prize by the RSPCA. Well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing at kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.